0: garden help you need now mid-south gardening powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder
1: good morning good morning gardeners welcome to mid-south gardening if you have gardening questions give us a call today i'm veda with palladio
2: i'm kenneth with kenneth i'm kenneth with kenneth i'm kenneth with dan west garden centers and I'm Jim
0: with Kenneth and Veda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: Kenneth, Kenneth and Veda. Jim Kenneth and Veda, brought, good Ken, morning. Good morning. So you brought somebody with you today? Kenneth and yeah. Kenneth? Yeah. All right. It's like, yeah. a,
0: what is that, me, myself? Well, you know, if you've been to the lawn and garden business, a lot of times you meet <laughs> yourself going uh, in and yeah, out the door. exactly. <laughs> so exactly. true.
1: Especially when we're getting ready for fall, y'all. All
2: right, y'all, I got a complaint.
1: <laughs> okay. And i hate Sorry to start the already. show i hate to start Sorry the show off that way
2: already. you know i'm driving in this morning and this dries a bone but i see you know lightning flashes and i'm mm-hmm. thinking oh man you know I, i'm not gonna ever complain about rain again i said that 10 years ago right
1: <laughs> you did. but I've, i did remember <laughs> i was, did. never
2: complained about rain again because it didn't rain for three months around my house one day and <laughs> but i've got to get my grass <laughs> cut and i've got to trim a lot of hedges and I'm just thinking, how can I get this done if it's raining? She's
1: he's looking at you, Jim, really intently. Oh,
2: I'm not helping you. Yeah, you, know uh-huh. you, mean? you can that, just you know keep wishing.
1: He was mm. trying for that.
2: So maybe that won't happen today, so, then. So
1: we really shouldn't mow in the rain. No, we probably shouldn't prune in the rain. Nope,
2: <laughs> especially because I start
0: out using electric clippers and but then wait. I go back.
1: Men, you're not out. You're not out of, you're Might not be out be of it Story
0: yet. where one of the great floods of the Mississippi, people were sitting on top of their their roofs waiting to be rescued mm-hmm. and this hat kept going by and then they'd come back up the water and then you go by again and somebody said what is that said how's grandpa he said he's gonna <laughs> mow some hell or high water <laughs> well there you go so you, know?
2: you're,
1: you can't get out of it then <laughs> oh well, man yeah so it looks like fall's on the way um and we've got so many festivals and things coming up for fall seems like a little is going on and um, we're stocking up with mm. perennials, shrubs, mums, time. and still not, not, I don't have pansies yet, but mm-hmm. hopefully this week.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a fun time of year. You know, like I've always said, you know, after a cold winter, you know, spring comes around and we're just biting at the bit to get outside. It's a mm-hmm. new beginning. Uh, well, fall is kind of that way also. You know, you go through these hot summers, hot, humid summers, uh, mosquitoes, the whole bit, and then it starts to cool off a little bit. And it's just people are like, okay, man, I love this season also. Well, you know, it's
1: like in the springtime, and if it jumped up to like 85 degrees, we would say, oh, man, I'm so hot. Yeah. Then we go through summer and it's 85 degrees, and I'm going, where's my sweater? Isn't that the dang
2: truth, you know? So
1: get excited, y'all. It is time to start planting.
2: Yeah, and I've had a lot of people come into the garden center even yesterday. and you know, buying pansies and violas, uh, snapdragons, dianthus, but mostly pansies and violas, and they're looking at me, going, "Okay, Kenny, is it okay? Can I do this yet?" And I'm going, "Yeah, I mean, it's just now getting time uh, to plant pansies and violas." But if you look at the forecast, you know, we got cooler temperatures coming in, like you talked I about. I saw a high in the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. cannot wait. Uh, so yeah, it's perfect timing, and the same thing with uh, with fescue. We'll talk about you know that later on in the show, but i mean we're yeah i mean you know the hardest thing right now is pulling up the plants that you planted in the spring that still look great yeah
1: yeah. you know i did a lot of fertilizing and pruning and um like the earthworm castings the fox farm liquid fertilizer foliage spray which got on the soil which makes it works Mm -hmm. better (laughs) let me throw that in there real quick and um But then, of course, I did that like three weeks ago, maybe. So, when you use organic, it's not going to work very fast. Right. And which was okay because it was really hot. I didn't want to prune stuff and then grow them to death quickly. Right. But as the weather cooled down last week, just a smidge, I saw a little bit of new growth coming on. And this week, Things are flushing out, the perennials, the roses. Everything's flushing out so good, turning greener. But I know I need to fertilize a little bit more because it's just utilized everything in there. But the thing was, is in the middle of the summer when th- things were looking tired, right. went ahead and just dosed them up real good. And then as the weather cooled down, we got a little extra rain that could absorb yeah. the water. Then things it really started, started looking, looking good. Yeah. Yeah,
2: and I've got a dilemma where, <clears throat> you know, I've got the front of my house. Of course, everybody's got their shrubs. And then I've got smaller shrubs in front of those shrubs, right? Mm-hmm. And then in front of those small shrubs is where Gina likes to put her color. But it's at the edge of that bed that kind of, you know, it kind of mm-hmm. leans down from the house towards the street. Slope? Yeah, a little slope <laughs> in it. But it's, it's at the very end of that bed. And it's only defined by a trough that I cut with a hoe every year, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then the mulch kind of comes down so it doesn't fl- wash out. But that's where the worst soil is in this bed. I mean, it's almost kind of hard pan mm-hmm. down there. Um, it, it hasn't never; it's never been tilled or mixed in with organic products. <laughs> and I'm thinking, all right, I'm gonna pull all these vinca up, and then I'm gonna come back and plant either pansies or violas. But I'm just thinking, you know, is it worth me getting a little manis tiller mm-hmm. and just running that thing down the edge of that bed, and you know, adding some cotton bur compost right. or whatever. That way I'm not digging, A, individual holes for Mm -hmm. these bedding plants. I'm just kind of, you know, just got that soft soil where I can just plug those things down in there.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's a hard one because like Jim was talking about a couple weeks ago, last week, is just prune it off, leave the roots in there to compost. But Vinka, aren't their roots just so intense that you'd be chopping in between each root ball to plant Well, if you plant
0: immediately, yeah, you'll have to cut a little bit. But, Mm -hmm. you know, once you cut them off they're gonna they're gonna decompose fairly quickly yeah but, i mean but yeah. i mean i but i mean the I rest of the, the, the rest of the soil in this bed is is right. great looking well, mm-hmm. uh, you're always better off to do the entire bed if you can well okay. but like i said the rest of the bed the soil is great it's no. just at the very
2: edge of this bed where it's more that clay oh. and hard pan no yeah, I the flowers just, grow there yeah. don't get me wrong no
1: but, i'd be too lazy i'd pull them out and kind of shovel it around and add a little bag of compost here and there and maybe amend that part that's really yuck, yeah you know and then plant but you, you, you make sound it sound like, so easy i know cause, well it's because you're one of those that want to take it all out and get it tilled really good and rake it nice and mound it up make that soil look really pretty and then go in and destroy it planting
2: yeah well i think that's what i'm you know well i'm you know there again if it rains all day today that's another
0: thing that's not going to get yeah. done right right yep well, Pouring at my house. When I started out the door this morning yeah. about 5 15, it was pouring. Okay. Well, Man. And I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw it rain that hard. Yeah. Huh. You know? yeah, so the I'm,
1: dome has been opened in Bartlett. It
0: did finally, yes.
1: Well, it was, well, it's funny how the lights, not funny, but the, of course, electricity was out this morning, and it's so amazing how life changes mm. so much when you don't see things like you usually do, especially driving. Oh, no, and no. When did that street get there? Yeah, really.
2: <laughs> uh, the question I got to ask, and I know we got David talking, wants to talk about moles, and we'll get to him in just a second here, but I had a uh, fine gentleman coming to the garden center and he's building a uh, like a little greenhouse okay um, and he's getting he's looking for material to put on the top of this house and it's not huge it's just but the material that he found was like a corrugated uh, you know how like a tin roof mm-hmm. looks you know up and down up and down you know right. what I'm saying the, the structure of it well this is made of a, like kind of like a almost clear translucent I guess plastic material and it says on there, good for mm-hmm. greenhouse use. But right below that it says, blocks 99.9% of UV light rays. And he's thinking, okay, well, is that still going to be the same light spectrum that I need to grow these plants inside this greenhouse? So it lets, you know, light through, yeah, but it's blocking almost 100% of the UV rays. Well, and, I'm, I'm, was... and I'm like, I've never thought of that before. Right,
1: or what would he be growing i mean just stuff too, that stuff
2: know? that he
0: brings inside in the winter and it's you know. just
1: for the winter anyway yeah, if it's for
0: the winter yeah. i'm not don't have a problem with it. if he's growing right. 12 months out of the year yeah he's going to have a problem i mean because it's going to not have the same
2: light right. color mm-hmm.
0: spectrum that you need coming from just the sun yeah and right? you have the same problem just with glass in a window you know mm-hmm. it lo- it blocks out significant amount of your uv lights that plants need so, well, uh,
2: and that's when he and then he said, okay, if it does block out the UV rays, which it says it does, and right above that, it says great for greenhouse use. He's mm-hmm. like, so well, do you, which, uh, which one, one is, is right? It? Which uh, one's you wrong? Have to you know, read
1: between the <clears throat> lines and discern, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> then it, that means research at your own risk. <laughs> okay, so
2: you're saying you can use the product, it would definitely
0: for for winter, it's fine, yeah, because you're not going to get a lot of growth out of it. Usually, right. you let the most people keep them as a cool greenhouse so let the temperature right. go down in the 50s you yeah. know and only heat it when it's going to get really cold so you're not going to get a whole lot of growth out of it but it, but if know, he's trying to grow stuff also in there in the spring then... yeah you know there's some there's some things that you would probably be okay with Um Orchids yeah. probably would be okay. Yeah, but see, no, Any, it, anything that's normally grown in heavy shade, mm-hmm. you're going to probably be okay. in gotcha. you know, But you know, long-term cactus are not going to be happy. Yeah. Uh, but and
2: even growing things, uh, you know, from
0: seed in the spring to plant out in the he he could do that because they're living off the food that's in the seed itself. Okay. So he would be okay now. It may stretch some on him. You know, we gotcha. had a problem with this. The like, greenhouse
1: or the plants? The plants will
0: stretch a little bit. <laughs> some people want the greenhouse to stretch. You know, it. Plants <laughs> yeah. that grow fast though We had a problem at Dan West. The first year we did Bleeding Hearts, we did them in the shade. At the Highway 64 location. Right, but that was wrong because they grow so fast, they got three feet tall in no time at all. Gotcha. Uh, So there we needed to start those outside in the sun because usually early spring, it's less intense, and they'll tolerate that sunlight very well. And then once they get some height on them, then we move them back into the shade so that it doesn't get – because it caused that cell elongation so okay uh, well yeah well, yeah but i mean but, it, it will work fine for him yeah. as far as as, as long yeah. as he's not trying to propagate everything yeah. under the yeah. sun that, under this reason that
1: is confusing why you're bring buying something for your greenhouse but then it has limitations right. with the lighting right and maybe a lot do we just haven't noticed and that's why we're not having good results but then there's the grow lights you can move into that but it's I mean, you can buy it's not the tin roof and it's not that plexiglass that we used to use, right? Yeah, What's we bought, new, when yeah. we
0: built the um, the potting shed at uh, at the Botanic Gardens, I uh, found a place in South Carolina that makes one that's for greenhouses. And we got a smoky color mm-hmm. uh, because it, people were going to be under it and right. potting all the time. Uh, and it works really well. It's, you know, get, I don't know, it's got a 20 year guarantee or something on okay. it. Um, but it does block out significant amount of the UVA and UVB, which is good when you've got old folks like me underneath your potting. I understand, yes. Yeah. So, okay. Well, there's
1: so many, many um, greenhouses available now. Oh, I yeah. remember years, years, and years ago, if somebody wanted to build a greenhouse, they had to be able to do construction, basically. Now you can buy so many little kits and so many big kits and Mm -hmm. so i'm sure there's probably a little extra research that needs to go along with it because greenhouses aren't just a covering you know there's Mm -hmm. the ventilation that you gotta think of and of course the lighting situation like y'all were talking about the thickness of the plastic Mm -hmm. you know all of that um where you locate the fans but you know if you're doing a small homeowner greenhouse then mostly i think just dealing with the lights, the big issue, and
2: that's kind of what this is going to be. I mean, it's not a huge thing, but it, I mean, it's a, it's going to be a nice little mm-hmm. greenhouse. Um, and like I said, he's just he's all the way at the very top now. Well, it's and, and he's just time. He's, he he don't want to put the stuff up there if it's going to be a detriment to what he's trying to do. You know, in the greenhouse. Yeah,
1: every gardener wants a greenhouse. That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, let's go ahead and go to David. Or wait, should we go to a break first and then go to David? Yeah, hang on, David. You knew we were going to psych you out. We'll be right back after these messages. Well, good morning. Good morning, Miss South Gardeners. <laughs> We're back. You give us a call down at one, two, six, oh, five, nine, two, six, or 844-747-8868. Okay, so we were on...
0: David. Good morning. <laughs> hey, Dave. Good morning to you. Thanks for holding on.
3: Oh, no problem, man. Good morning, everybody.
2: Good morning, Dave.
3: Um, Before I get to the mold, I have a couple of things yeah. that I and to comment about. First, um, I'm listening to you guys over the, the internet. Yeah. When does the power of your station come up such that I can hear you on my radio in the morning. Whenever,
0: once the sun comes up. Okay, We're
1: solar powered. (laughs) I don't know, but that's when it
2: happens. And then, Jim, there's,
0: there's, of course, there's a 990 AM, and there's 107.9 FM. Yeah, 107.9's got better coverage this time of the morning. When it's still dark. Yeah.
2: Okay. And then the 990 when the sun comes up. Right. Okay, good deal. Appreciate that question, Dave. Yes, sir.
3: Uh, No problem. I um, I bought this fancy radio. I'm like, why is it not working? Yeah, yeah but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought about that. Um, I lost um, my neighbor Tuesday night to COVID. Mm.
0: Um,
2: oh, I want
3: everybody to be careful. Yeah, thank you. It wasn't my closest neighbor, but 40 yeah. something year old oh, man. young lady, hardworking, wave at her in the morning on her way to work and back. And it was, um, it's a real nice lady, so oh, everybody just be careful out there, as careful as you can be.
2: Absolutely. It's a real thing, uh, for sure.
3: Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah. So, um, I, I normally cut, when somebody passes away, I normally cut their yards for free, so they don't have to worry about that, but I'm not trying to you know, build myself up or anything. It's just something I thought it would be good to do for people not to worry Mm
2: -hmm. about. Well, Dave, as long as we've known you, you've cut your own yard, you've cut your mother's yard, you've cut your neighbor's yard. It's like I've always said, I wish I was your neighbor, you know?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. (laughs) I appreciate that. Um, Okay. One, one, One thing, one other thing before the mold. Yard work. Because um, you know, I lost a mother in April. Mm-hmm. Um, has helped me my mental situation very, very much. Um, just cutting. I don't. I'm not much of a h- horticulture. What is it? Horticulture. Yeah. Yep. Plant yeah, okay. person.
1: I, I like yeah, that. Plant person. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but um, it just it really relaxes me. Gets my mind off of those type of things, and um, I really have grown to understand how. It helped me even more, you know, than oh. perhaps my yard.
2: And we hear it all the time. I mean, you know, working outdoors and, and just, you know, having a a finished product, you know, standing back and turning around and seeing yeah. what you've yeah. accomplished, Dave, it's very therapeutic. You know, I mean, not, it, it truly is. And it's not just you. I mean, it's across the board. Now, at the time, it might seem like it's hard work and we're sweating to death and, you know, it's killing you. Mm-hmm. But you know, but pat yourself on the back once you're done because you know your place looks really good when you're done with it.
3: That's it. Yeah, I can I could not think of that other two or three syllable word therapeutic, but you're absolutely correct. Yes, That's sir. What it is. Yes, sir. Okay, now to the mold. Uh oh. Is it? Is it? Oh, oh, I'm 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 good. My look, they have <laughs> gone to the back. They like the back. I'm glad they do. Right. So. My curb appeal is fine, but I had a question to ask about rain. Now, should I put down this um, and spray this um, castor oil after the rain? I-, I wouldn't think it would make sense to spray it before.
0: Yeah, yeah it absolutely. actually does. It's better to spray it before if you need. You know, it's going to last four to six weeks for you. Okay, that's okay. Nor- That's the norm. Uh, If you get a whole lot of rain, it may not last quite that long. But the best thing to do is, after you spray, is to get a rain on it. Uh, That settles it down into the ground uh, where the moles are.
2: Yeah. So yeah, that, okay. that'll
1: probably bond better and just not wash off when it rains a lot. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, yeah.
0: not going That's
3: anywhere. Bad. Well,
1: let's do this. We have to head to a break quickly, and <laughs> then we'll get you after the break. Y'all have been listening okay. to Mid-South Gardening. We'll, we'll be, be right back. back. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Love to have y'all with us this morning. Thanks for getting up. We're in our first half an hour of our three-hour show, so we've got lots of great things to talk about. We'd love to take your questions. At
0: 901-260-5926. Or 844-747-8868.
1: You know I just love to do that to I know, you. they just, you know
0: just decide one just time. Stare at just me just me one second. time First to let you
1: talk. talk. Right. So let's go back to David. All right, David. You were okay. talking, talking about, about those mean old yeah.
2: moles,
3: yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well one of the one of the yards I cut two. One of the yards I cut for the summer. Um, I got it all looking pretty and guess what?
2: Here come the moles.
3: And I I, I can tell you, Ken, I did not bust them over there to get rid of them off of my yard. But <laughs> They are there. So one of the things I said, I, I, I should not be repeating this theory before I check with you guys. Mm-hmm. But I said, mm-hmm. you know what I do is I take some plywood, mm-hmm. and I push the ground down, yeah. probably because for aesthetic, but also because I want them to work harder because I know how much they have to eat. I am, s-
2: I am so with you. I promise you. I mean. If I, and I do have a mole in my backyard also, and I really think there are more moles out there now than there ever have been. Jim was telling me because of the Japanese beetle grubs that are out there. But, I mean, this year, David, I've had more people come into the garden center going, what is going on with the moles? I mean, really. But I'm like you. I've got them in my backyard, not in my front yard. So, I'm I, you know, I don't mind it as much, just like you said a while ago. But every time I walk back there, I'm stepping on those tunnels, making that, all right, if you're going to dig back here, if you want to come back through this tunnel, you're going to have to dig, you know? And it's just the way I feel, because I hate them. I, I, I hate's a bad word, okay? But I dislike yeah. them
0: that much. Let me put it that way. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he dislikes them so much that he has no problem taking their little lives. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, so, sort of like what I just heard you do this past week, Jim. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: my first Mm -hmm. vole I have in 20 years we've been in the house, first vole I have ever come across. He he made a mistake of running out from the rocks. I'd rather have a mole than a vole like David, though. I I don't like voles. And you stepped on it. My 260 pounds just flattened him out.
2: And and Dave, a question. (laughs) The castor oil that you were putting down, are you putting down the granulated version or the ready-to-spray version?
3: I I spray. I always spray
2: and, Jim, is that okay, though? Because you're putting out, you know, you hook this thing to your hose and spray this castor oil, so you're actually putting it out with water. Yeah. And it's okay to have more water on top of it. Absolutely. That. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so good. I'm, I'm glad, guys, that I didn't give her bad information um, in regards to the molds and the, and the plywood uh, as well. It's it just, you know, my aunt said years ago when I first got mold, I said, you know, I keep my yard looking all well. She said, well, that's why they're there.
2: Yeah, well, right. true then. Yeah. Right. You know, and then you know the other scenario is to put a for sale sign in your front yard and just leave them. You know,
3: (laughs) I was about to do that, but uh, listening Mm -hmm. to you guys, I gave it one more shot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You've worked really diligently on that, and and you are succeeding. We wouldn't say conquering, but
2: succeeding.
3: Yeah. One other thing. One other thing, folks. Take it from me. When you start seeing something coming into your yard and Mm. it it looks like a tunnel, Mm. don't just say... Oh, it, it's going to go away. Right. Yeah, Whatever
2: it's going to be is. fine. Because so that's what I said yeah.
3: yeah. No. <laughs> Three years. Three years, folks. I anyway, think so. Folks. Yeah, um, that's but,
1: how we've gotten to know you so well. I'm so
2: with David. <laughs> I'm telling you, because um, I, I do the same thing, Dave. I'm like, ah, oh, it's just a mole. I'm not going to worry about it. Why well, I'm not going to worry Ooh. about it until I sink knee deep every time I walk in my backyard, you know?
3: There you go. There you go. Well, guys, thank you, as, as usual, for your, your valued advice. The check is in the mail. You keep... Back,
0: I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> <laughs> just, just hang on to it. I'll come get it.
4: <laughs> no, I don't want to trouble you. I don't want to trouble
2: you. <laughs> oh, no. Dave, you have a great weekend, buddy. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, man. Thanks, Dave, for calling. And I'm telling you guys, I'm serious. I've had more complaints about moles uh, this year. And we get them, you know, every day, every year, we have a complaint about moles. But this year has been the craziest. And I, And people are like, is there something going on? You know, I mean, why? and you know it's like you said jim grub counts way up grub counts are way up you know before we had so many japanese beetles around here we had what the european grub out there yeah a little european chafer a little little white grub yeah Yeah, june bug grub right but now that we've got so many japanese beetles around here also by the millions well they're coming from a grub also
1: yeah you know i was reading in the um that organic magazine that i had found from 1968 my grandparents had gotten a big stack of them And um, this one was for spring, I think, or for, for the fall. And he was talking about in this organic gardening magazine how, oh, wait, you know, how are the people going to integrate with the animals and the insects and the pests? Right. Because we're becoming more of a population and we're going to have to start blending with the animals living with the animals more and, and how does that happen and then he went on to this story about how in this country this area was overpopulated with people and they actually were able to eradicate the black fly pop or the um, yeah the black fly population because the government said just take your fly swatters and kill all flies kill all flies (laughs) and they eradicated the fly population in that area
0: see there's another mandate i don't like i know i'm like (laughs) just kill those
1: flies so um so the thing is, is now we're just having to live together more because we're taking so much wildlife out. And then all of a sudden we're presenting the Japanese beetles um, that we didn't have in our area, which then causes more moles to show up, which causes more mole problems. Because so it actually it's just all of us vying for the same space. Oh, it's a domino
2: effect. There's no yeah. doubt about it. You know, in. And- <laughs> as far as mole control i mean people try different angles i mean castor oil is definitely one of them uh, and it's just a repellent that you know we all know that it doesn't hurt the mole it just repels the mole back to the neighbors where it came from
1: oh the myth <coughs> department here's jim's jim's department kenneth and i always have fun with this one the myths the juicy fruit gum the cat litter that you use for the, the moles hu- the human hair that the you get from the hair. barber you know, yeah. I'm sure some of those uh, work, work at times, but it's just not like Maybe we sell. Maybe by happenstance, right. Yeah, we don't sell packs of Juicy Fruit at the register to control your Right, but we do with. sell
2: castor oil, either granulated or like David was talking about, the ready-to-spray that you just hook to your hose. Mm-hmm. And then there's some uh, grub killers that you can actually buy, uh, 24-hour grub control containing dialogs. You know, a bag will cover about 5,000 square feet. People will put that out there, water it in. In in theory, you know, if you kill their food source, uh, they'll go somewhere else. Now, it also kills your red worms, your earthworms. But you have to because mm-hmm. they eat those also, and they're
0: an invasive species also.
2: Yeah, they, well,
1: yeah so so you got to have that balance. And then yeah, there's um, the and
2: then there's baits. You know, there's poison peanuts. There's poison worms that someone you can actually buy. Someone was telling
1: me, okay, so the poison worms that that we were selling retail was they just eat the worm and it poisons exactly. Them. Okay, I don't remember some. I was just in this conversation of the mole controlling, and someone said, okay, there's a company that puts out. Well, it's that gel. remember the gel that was. Yeah, made I haven't of seen warthrin? that one in a while. Yeah. It was a gel know. that
2: was formulated to smell like a worm yeah. and then they actually came out with the poison right. worms
1: and i don't know if that's what it was but this was the one where they actually the voles take it back to the nest but see, i don't know if you can Have even heard find of that product one of anymore. Those before no. yeah they just take it so i just heard that in conversation and thought well, and then lastly of course, i don't think i've heard of anything you know that. it's
2: just you know the mole trap mm-hmm. um, but if you're using the baits and or the trap you want to try to put it on the active tunnels, and that's what gets people scratching their heads. A lot of times they don't know what tunnel is active and what mm-hmm. tunnel isn't. So that's why I think it's so easy to use a repellent like the castor oil as a, you know, a broad-spectrum application. Yeah and are the grub killers that you can also use as a uh, broad-spectrum application. But, you know, you do the best you can. is all you mm-hmm. can do. There's nothing out there that's 100% effective every time you use it, and sometimes we just have to live with them to some extent.
1: Oh, well, we get to talk <laughs> about moles a little bit less as the weather gets different. <laughs> so
2: that'll be great. Well, we
0: hope, you know, but oh, like last year, that. we had a mild winter, and there was grub there was mole issues all the way through the winter, yeah, except when they true. were under the snow when we couldn't see them. Right. So.
1: Oh, well. So I guess uh, <clears throat> moles are just part of it now, more and more so. No,
0: we're not going to throw up the white flag like that. No. no.
1: yeah. Well, but, <clears throat> but I think they're really cute, so... I kind you just of,
0: need to reintroduce snakes, and then and well, like, yeah, no issue. I totally agree. That's, yeah, that's, because
1: I mean, not every single snake species. I mean, what isn't there just one that you really ha- like the the rattler? Tell that, that to that my That one's wife, hugely okay? poisonous. That's not like a copperhead gets you. It's horrible. Yeah, but like like a rattler. So right. cottonmouths
0: you want to worry about, but. <coughs> You Most see. people would not die from a copperhead bite. Oh, right. right. so
2: yeah, yeah can head, I can yeah. I can hear y'all talking, okay? Do you really think people are going to introduce
0: snakes into their <laughs> landscape? And I understand what you're saying; it'd be great, Jim. Well, you, know, you get you get some of the the really pretty king snakes. Mm-hmm. They're they're beautiful snakes, you know, and they just love yeah. bowls and bowls. You got yeah, people exactly. throwing their little bricks at the radios right now. I'll, I'm telling our,
1: you, at our uh, water garden, at work in the middle of summer I think when we were moving stuff around I found like seven baby snakes all in various areas. And so some of the people that worked there were horrified to to know that there was snakes
2: in the city in limits.
1: The area. Yeah, in the city limits. And I'm going, Well did you ever see one? No. Have you know what? What are you worried about? Because you've never seen them before. Now you just know they're here. Now you're worried. But I said keep them. They're they're controlling because there's a field also by the water garden. So. You know, I think there's a little control going on, but famous last words when I hear some lady screeching because a big snake ran (laughs) across the walkway. But really, they're there. You just don't know
2: it. Yeah. And what about using like, uh, you know, milky spore or beneficial nematodes to help control Mm -hmm. the insects that are in the soil? A
1: lot. Oh. you would probably need to use lots of the beneficial nematodes and timing too. you know,
2: and, and doesn't the milky spore, which is a bacterium that you put down, only control the Japanese beetle grub? Yeah.
0: That's correct, yeah. okay, so it would get part of a program, but don't depend on it. Gotcha. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and yeah, because I, I remember when it all first came out, people were using the milky spore for every grub, and yeah. it was only targeted for the Japanese well, beetle, which we actually didn't even have. Exactly, at the time. exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, just stay tuned and we'll keep you in order. So a lot of people have come into the garden center this um, weekend, you know, listen to the show and all that. And I said, just call us and try to stump us, Mm -hmm. you know, just give us a call and let's see. And if y'all do want to call us, it's um, 260-5926 is local and 844-747-8868. We're going to go head to a break and then we've got Jamie, the master gardener, and we'll get to him after this. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. We're glad to be here with you early in the morning. So you can give us a call at 901-844-747-8868. <laughs> No, you cannot either. This <laughs> is Kenneth, you had me I on that one. I okay. was asking
2: it's actually 844-747-8868 and Miss Veda, 901 260
1: You can uh, watch us on Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. You can listen to our podcast. You can uh, check us out on our Facebook page that Jim does. And-
2: Mitchell Gardening. <laughs> Mid-South Gardening,
0: Facebook No, we changed Mid-South it South Now Gardening. we took all the Yeah, that's right, yeah yeah. Mid-South Gardening It's our Facebook group I Invite you to join It's uh, just an ongoing conversation place to brag place to ask questions um, It's not a place to go You know, can I find something? It's not a place
1: yeah. to go Juicy Fruit Gum works on controlling moles Well You can, you can say, say that, that
0: But I may say
1: You might help us out a little
0: That it doesn't <laughs> you know nice well, and to the point it's, it's
1: a very it's a great page though there's even if you maybe don't know the right answer it's gently guided into the correct answer yeah. it's not a we mean we had thing someone
0: looking you know in, interested in pomegranates and we have a, a great um, page on in our file section on varieties of pomegranates and how hardy they are um, there's
1: more than one variety of pomegranate yes, it just seems are. like there should be one i think one. i've got 10 or
0: 12 <laughs> listed on there and, and when they
2: bloom uh, you know the one that has that beautiful big orange bloom on mm. it is nothing like it
0: mm-hmm.
1: now they do okay or well here don't they because uh, we yeah, don't well, really sell them with
0: hey, jamie hang on buddy some of them um, in a hard winter will get mm-hmm. killed down to the ground um, but yeah, most of them yeah. w- wonderful Russian hardy. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, are and there's some de- dwarf varieties depend- also. Depend- yeah. yeah, the dwarf ones are great, but they don't produce much of a fruit. Right, you know, uh, they're more of an ornamental. I mean, some of them will mm-hmm. have a little tiny fruit, but here, wonderful is probably the best one for producing a decent fruit. Is that awesome. the one that also
2: has that orangey red blue? That big, big orange, bloom. double yes. red, yes,
0: double orange. There's bloom.
1: like no yeah. color like that one. I know. Yeah, there seems like except for our program director's shirt that he, I just noticed is just as orange red as can be. He's like, what, what, what? We're talking about pomegranate blooms, and your shirt looks like a pomegranate bloom. There you go. <laughs> He's like, okay, so, um, yeah, and I wonder, did the pomegranates make it from our last winter that we had?
0: My, um, mine got killed. Mm-hmm. Part of it got killed, yeah. and I went ahead and cut it way back to let it resprout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they just they just don't like temperatures down around zero, yeah. but you know the roots were hardy. You know, We were so lucky having snow, yeah, yeah. We were. so it kept the ground from getting as cold as the air temperature. Yeah. yeah,
1: speaking of things staying alive under the snow, and we talked about the Indian hawthorns forever and said, what would you do, pull them up? Yes, that was my view, was pull them up. And I see where people didn't pull them up, and they and cut them back.
2: slowly, So now they just slowly. look like this ugly
1: yeah. ground cover that has spots on but it.
2: But they're slowly so, coming they're back. They're trying,
1: but, yeah. but I, I don't know. I think it's making me exhausted trying to watch those uh, come back out. Out of yep. their issues when I walk by them every day. I'm just like, would somebody please just take them out?
2: Yeah, but they did take a baiting this past mm-hmm. winter. Indian Hawthorns, I mean, everyone I'm in Memphis was burned back or killed to the ground. And like you said, in some of the commercial settings, they just left them alone and they're just horrible looking. Mm-hmm. But I maybe, you know, if you give them enough time they they might you know yeah. eventually come back out but i um, say i don't have the patience like yeah, that.
1: yeah but i am glad to watch other people experiment so yeah. i can learn from that and i don't have to experiment with that yep so jamie let's go to jamie the master gardener good morning is jan driving y'all to florida right now
5: Yes, you betcha. Y'all are talking <laughs> pomegranates, and I'm thinking tomatoes this morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're both round.
2: <laughs> so, Jamie, did I, I hear, or is it a rumor that y'all are headed to um, to Florida?
5: Yes, that's correct. We we just uh, we're in the hotel room, getting ready to get in the car and uh, go down to uh, uh, St. Pete Beach, and then we're going on down to Naples,
6: mm-hmm. and then
5: we're going to Leaf, which is one of the largest. It is the largest in the East Coast uh, tomato producing. Ooh, uh,
1: really? you got to be kidding. Me. Oh, my goodness. So, um, of course, my son oh, lives you. down where y'all are going to. And so Jan called and said. Is there anything that you want me to take to your son or your son to bring back? And I was thinking, well, I left him a nice shirt down there, so maybe <laughs> Seth could meet. So I called Seth. He goes, "Mother, no." I think what Jamie's doing. I think Jamie's <laughs> up to
2: something. You know, he Jamie's really like one of the instigators of the uh, Great Tomato Contest mm-hmm. every year. The instigator, yeah, and of course, and all of his great, you know, helpers uh, that are in the Memphis area Master Gardener program. But see, I think he's on his way down there to check out the tomato growing yeah. facility to see to pick up oh. trade secrets and maybe brands that we we don't yeah. we haven't heard about yet. Yeah. So, so Jamie, when you get back, I'm the first one that you need to talk. No, to. No,
1: he's just going to call up here Saturday and give all the details for everybody to know. He can't have any <laughs> secrets. Yeah. Uh, so where is this again? Amakali, 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 Florida. Man, that Thank sounds you. fantastic. Okay, well, thanks for calling in and let us know what you're doing. Have a okay, great trip and guys. be careful.
2: Thanks, Jamie. Bye, bye. Thank
1: you.
3: garden help you
0: need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder.
1: Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. I hear it says our show is for the gardening help you need. That you need mm-hmm. And y'all are the uh, callers that we need We yes. need your questions And you are here with us On our second hour of three hours Of the Mid-South Gardening Yep,
2: and if uh, I know Mr. Paul is on line one Hang on just a second, Mr. Paul But if you want to give us a call 901-260-5926 or 844 747 8868. That's a toll
0: free number nationwide. We want to welcome also our friends down in Greenville, Mississippi, joining us now. That's um, the talk of the Delta 92. Uh, <laughs> I forgot. Oh, God. Okay. AM 1330 and FM 101.1. The FM, say that again. FM 1330. AM 1330. Oh, AM 1330. Got gotcha. 101.1. Got it. And also Nougat Radio over in Chattanooga, 92.7. We if y'all have
1: no- troubles with numbers like I do, I'm so lost right now. <laughs> okay, so um, the Facebook page is doing really well. Jim, tell us about that.
0: Mid-South Gardening, if you haven't joined, please do. Uh, it's, it's Like say, it's just a simple conversation uh, where you can ask questions, you can brag. We have uh, what's called Foliage Friday, where we like to... Show pictures of just unusual foliage, textures, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we welcome anything in um, uh, any gardening question, Jim. Yeah, it's it's not a place though. We we uh, we don't allow links, you know. And a lot of a lot of garden sites, people who are who, who are well meaning will look up something and then post a link, you know, in an effort to help people. Well, they don't know what. Y- they're they're usually giving advice on something that they've never grown themselves. Gotcha. And that's that's a little yeah. different from our group. Yeah.
1: Well here's here's a good example of why you like to monitor this. Is I there's I pull up my feed, not on Facebook, but just some, some things I read and there's a beautiful picture of that lantern fly. Mm-hmm. That's so oh, yeah. pretty. Yeah. And, and then it, the lantern moth that the, we don't like, yeah. right? Yeah. And but it's beautiful. And the uh, title is um, and they're wanting us to kill this beautiful bug yes and so if somebody had made a comment about the lantern fly, and somebody just sees that come up cuts and pastes and posted yeah next thing you know they're not, reading, wanting, they're not wanting to get rid of this thing right yeah. without reading the whole thing if somebody goes their oh, lanternfly is good or bad and then they post this that says and they want us to kill them and oh,
0: then bad. i saw where a, a kid put one in a insect uh collection in mm-hmm. his school but he <gasps> oh. lives in kansas Mm-hmm. And there is a federal investigation to find out where it came from, yeah. how it got there yeah. Yeah. I mean they're looking at all kinds of things to find out, you yeah, because that's how it gets spread across the country you know when you get uh, egg masses that are attached to wood or pallets or something like mm-hmm. that on a truck, mm-hmm. and they just you well, know yeah. end up uh, in it and so
1: yeah so that's that's why you're you're trying to spare that false knowledge because you can you know, you talk to Google and ask it a question, and it gives you an answer, but it doesn't it's always right, you right? be in depth. Yeah. You do research, so you know, the first answer that comes up, you just don't go. I That's saw it. something
0: the other day, which really meant a lot to me. It says, you know, real scientists don't publish their information on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. You know, right? They do it in, in published papers. <laughs> so
1: yeah, just hold on. While I'm experimenting. Let me put this on Facebook. Uh, it's so that true. means it's right. Somebody told me. Well, I just I'm just tired of looking this internet just because i've done my read research it,
0: yeah. no you <laughs> haven't done any research you well, just I, listen to stuff which, on the internet that's probably not true and then you think you're an expert uh, well, So it's
1: just a lot of reading back and forth and checking and yeah. all of that so jim's page helps the people to discern and not have to go through right, all of that sort
0: through all of that yeah malarkey and malarkey we got, you can
1: use malarkey for fertilizer oh, sure yeah that's some good <laughs> that's, stuff right there <laughs> let's go to mr paul good morning
2: Good morning, Veda, Kenneth and Jim. Good morning Thanks, to Paul. you, Mr. Paul. What's going on today, buddy?
5: Well, I'm just out here thinking about the Young Festival and wanting to say hey to all them folks that are down there trying to dodge the rain. Mm, right. And yeah. watching that uh, watching that weather calendar.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, are you going, Mr. Paul? Because if you do, you can come up there and sit in the garden center with me. No. No. They're going <laughs> to chill a, out this that time. That was a quick no. I know. Okay. You don't have to sit in the garden center with me, but are you going?
5: <laughs> oh, I would love to go. We've gone for probably the last 30 years. I think we missed last year. When we started going, I don't remember, 30 years ago probably as a vendor. Yeah. And then... And then we We found out that being a vendor, you don't have time to shop. Mm -hmm. So we uh, quit doing that and went down there and just had a good time and met a lot of friends. And we we, we would see people down there that you wouldn't see all year. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was just a really nice social thing.
2: And that's going on today. Is it just today only, Mr. Paul?
5: I think it is. I yeah. think it's just today. And I
2: know them people are watching that weather map. I did well,
1: hear it. there was a rain day. It would be Sunday, but it looks like it may rain Sunday too.
2: Yeah, I mean there and there will be a hundred million people down there because it's such a great event. And then you got the football game. By the way, guys, at three o'clock this afternoon, so it's going to be a it's going to be a bunched crowd down there this yeah. afternoon. And who's playing? Yeah, in <laughs> <laughs> you Bad. got Jamie
5: and Jan going to Florida.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what are they doing? They're well, they're going in to visit the most, the place that You're produces right. the tomate. most amazing. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Mr. And, Paul, and escaping all the madness. Yeah.
2: Now, Mr. Paul, you know, every time, and and I'm seeing, and I say this with total sincerity, every time I sell or grab or see a sedum plant i swear i think of you i'm serious and it's like to me it's like you're you know johnny apple sedum you know um right and you know in every year we see more or new introductions or maybe they're old introductions that have been reintroduced with under a different name but it, it just seems like uh it seems like people are using in my opinion more sedums now especially in container gardenings, than they ever have.
5: Well, I think they are, because for so long, there just wasn't any much information out there on sedum. Right. Not in this part of the country. And it was just, you, people just didn't use it because they didn't know what to do with it, like yeah. Plato used to say. You know, why are you growing it? Nobody knows what it is. They ain't going <laughs> to buy it. You know, and he said the biggest part of it is education, and yeah. which it took you know it's taken 20 years or so but they are using more and I've noticed another trend is they're using more tropical succulents for design now than they ever have before and I wish I'm tickled to death about that. Mm.
2: Well it's uh, I just want you to pat yourself on the back for spreading the word even though it took 20 years <laughs> to, to you know to for people to become knowledgeable about what sedums can do for their landscape, and especially what they can do uh, for their container garden. So every time, right, like I right. said, every time I see one, Mr. Paula, grab one, I think about you, I'm telling you.
5: Well, I, I appreciate that. And I mean, you know, you uh, you can't have too many seeds. And every time you see a new one, you ought to just get it and just give it a shot and see what it's going to do. Exactly. Man. Because it's always, it's always exciting. To get something that's borderline you know and that we they say we can't grow here and then you grow it and and then you can brag <laughs> and, about. and like, that's why so we
1: grow it
2: because they say we can't
1: and them bloom too oh, people sure. don't really th- the foliage is what's really fantastic but they do have blooms at, at certain well, times they, of the year
2: they do
5: but we we in the mid-south we don't get cold enough weather yeah. For a lot of our uh them mm. to set bloom. Yeah. And they basically will go uh, you know, several years with very little bloom simply because they don't get cold enough in the winter. Yeah, or we had some plants.
2: Yeah, and we had some autumn joy come in the other day, uh, and I'm telling you, Paul, they were in bloom and the bees were mm, all it. over it. I mean oh, it was yeah. just a bee heaven, I'm mm. telling you. So Right. Well, Mr. Paul, we love you to death. Um, and we'll hopefully see you down at the Cooper Young Festival, uh, running around down there.
1: <laughs> he says
2: no. He or at least no. he doesn't I want would, to sit I with would, me.
5: I, I would, <laughs> we would love to be down there, but we just we just want to say hey to everybody that's down there, and we we miss that, and we miss our gardening community because we don't get to see you people near as often as we'd like
2: to. Well, right back at you, buddy. We appreciate the call, and always good to hear from you, Mr. Paul.
5: Well, we love you guys, and y'all do a great job.
1: Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Mr. Paul, for the call.
0: Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And I know
2: I'm... we got Gail, and we'll get to her, I
0: guess. After yeah, after. if you're yeah. just catching us for the first time, you're going to find that we have some perennial callers uh, that, you know, we have known for years and years and years. And years. Uh, and, and we appreciate them calling, getting our input and, uh, um, and we love him. Mr. We Paul really
2: being one of them. But remember, he went about four or five weeks, and we didn't hear from him. I'm like, okay, somebody's got to give Mr. Paul a call right. and get him back on board, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mr. Paul. He also plays music. What was the name of his band?
2: Something about the Jumping Lizards. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, they would have this uh, this band uh, or had this show, like, maybe at the Botanic Gardens after the plant sale. They'd yeah. get up there with their... Uh, maybe banjos and their, uh, I, I think, sticks and water buckets and just, <laughs> but it was great. Sticks and water buckets. Yeah, as a, as a drum.
1: That's the that's the South for you. Um, let's see, we're going to run to a break really quickly, and then we're going to go to Gail. And if any, go ahead.
2: And If anybody wants to give us a call, it's 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926 or 844-747-8868.
1: Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 260-5926 or 844-747-8868. We have a caller, and she also posted the question on Facebook, so appreciate this call. Good morning, Gail.
2: Morning. Hey, Gail. Good morning. I did see where you posted a uh, question this morning on Facebook. Uh, Gail, and we just had a chance to get to you, but we would prefer you to call in anyway, my dear
4: okay this was my first time thank you thank you for calling and i was trying to catch the number i missed it several times because it was going so fast okay
2: well we'll slow that so there there.
4: that's because i
1: was putting four other numbers in with it
4: (laughs) yeah a few times i I dialed the wrong number a couple of times
1: well i hope you told them. oh um are y'all up to listen to the show because i am (laughs) (laughs) so what's happening in your yard
4: Okay, I had my flower bed completely taken out. Mm-hmm. I had looked at uh, some, I, I think it's arborvitae.
2: Arborvitae, yes.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, to anchor each end. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at what I could fill in the inside with. Somebody had recommended hydrangeas and somebody azaleas and somebody boxwood. And this is I on need the for it to be, it's on the front.
0: Yeah, north, south, east, west.
4: No, I'm not doing the direction. Yeah. Well, how much, much sun does sun. it get, Gail? I heard that. <laughs> not much.
0: <laughs>
2: not much okay. sun. Not much, okay.
4: because we have so many trees in Collierville that
2: yeah. they gotcha. take
4: over your yard.
2: Okay.
4: Uh, so it's not a lot of sun, and that was my issue. Yeah. I did some research on the, um, what is it, Aber?
2: Arborvitae. Okay. Yeah.
4: And they tend to need sun. Right. They, they get huge. Yeah.
2: Well, there's Some a, do. Yeah, there's I mean, there's typically, you know, three that you see well, for the most part there's the one Emerald
4: Green. Emerald yeah. Green's
2: gonna get tall. There's 12, one, 14 feet or so. Yeah. There's one called Holstrom H O L T S T R U M. My favorite. Or Holstrup. Uh, it only gets about seven or eight foot tall, Gail. Okay. Um, but, but they
1: better yeah, definitely do that one or really None at all because they get so
0: big, and they need a uh, minimum of six hours or so of sunlight. Yeah, full yeah. sun. These no, that's tapenade. not not dappled. That's that's great. I don't
4: think they're going to get any yeah. full sun because of the okay. direction of the house. Yeah, so we might need to come up with something different for the anchor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and
2: and they would grow their gale, but they'll never be as full and thick and prolific as they could be.
0: What's uh what what's your house made out of? Is it red brick, white? It's red brick. Red brick. Okay. What well,
1: about, um, do you uh, really want to have height or are you just looking to do that? Because that kind of seems I like was what everybody. i
4: thinking something to anchor each side. Yeah. I don't really care. I mean, there's some mm-hmm. beautiful. I want to look nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> love it. Yes.
0: Beautiful camellias. You yeah, I'd, I'd look at Sasanqua camellias. You know, they're Most of them are fall blooming. You could do a spring blooming japonica, but. Uh, spell that for me. Uh, um, it's, it, Sasanqua is S A S A N Q U A. I'm glad he could spell it. Um, okay. Sasanqua so camellias. Yeah, they're fall bloomers, and there are dozens and dozens of varieties in pinks, whites, reds, variegated. Um, you know, just go to whatever nursery you like, and, and in fact, I was out yesterday at Dan West sixty four. <laughs> um to pick up some pea gravel and i went there, and they had a huge selection of Just new got camellias there and yep. you know i'm, I'm thinking where where can i plant this one you know <laughs>
1: yeah. gotta have it too so, so yeah you could do camellias and you could still do hydrangeas too yeah. you could do azaleas but, um, yeah azaleas definitely Hyd- hydrange-
0: i love hydrangeas on the front of a house i mean they're absolutely spectacular okay. but they do go naked during the wintertime mm-hmm. they do drop their yeah. leaves that's right
4: so there'd be nothing there okay but it do they look green after they drop their leaves?
1: No. No. No, You've they just look sticks. like sticks
0: until they yeah. come out next spring.
4: So a lot of people my H O A may get mad at me. Mm. You yeah, can, I know that <laughs> well, I don't well, know. Those. It's hard to
1: tell because I have some bizarre rules. Well, even you can do yeah, the... Yeah, they do. Yeah. You could do like the, um, hyd- uh, the row of hydrangeas in the back, like the white hydrangeas. That um, Which ones am I thinking about? Like, the
0: arborescens. Blushing bride. The well, arborescens. It Maybe too much shade for them to really do well. For the arborescence. You're talking oh, about
1: okay. like the yeah. uh,
2: the Annabelle and the Incredible? and ones those. I mean, they uh, would the bloom.
1: Smooth, the smooth leaves. Right. Like an, are the, for, yeah, and then put boxwoods in front of of it. And so that way, or same any hydrangea and then boxwoods in front, so the hydrangeas are down, you see the boxwood. But
2: Gail, you're right. I mean, when you're dealing with lower light, uh, you're always, you know, you're limited to what's going to really perform well. Uh, and that's typically where you see, for example, on the edges, you know, putting something like, uh, you know, a camellia, for example, to get some height on okay. the edges. And then something like azaleas, and I know they're
0: boring to some people because there's so many out there, but they do the job. Yeah, but don't get encores. They're going to need more sun. The the repeat bloomers have got to have more sun than you're going to get. And we're talking about just the old traditional azaleas. And then, you know, I love boxwood when they're planted properly, but they're not compatible with azaleas or hydrangeas. They need a pH so much higher. Now, the exception would be wintergreen boxwood. It'll grow anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like liriope. You drop it on the ground; it'll root in. Jim, if she, if she was to put baby Jim boxwoods up there, how much sun would she still
2: needs? Half a day sun. Doesn't well, she? or they'll grow there. I, just I think that'd be
0: okay. You know, of course, they want to get taller. And boxwoods don't grow the way you see them marketed. They're not heavy, thick like that. They grow more open and airy. When you trim them, though, they—that's what gives them the boxwood effect. Uh, if you make them round or square or whatever you want to, it's just from repeated trimming. And I like to make that little. To be honest with yeah, you, Dale. He, Kenneth does. I like a more open, airy type of growth. We had in a house when my wife and I first got married—forty-seven, six, seven, eight—a long time ago. Um, <laughs> we had a huge boxwood that was planted around 1906 or so in the front of the house you could see through it it was huge it was beautifully round but it was open and airy and that's the way they naturally grow um so i think you're going to be happier with camellias azaleas Maybe boxwoods in the front. I still wouldn't put boxwoods in there because your pH is going. Oh, got to you. be up six and a half or so. Yeah. Where you. you with the azaleas, you need to be down around five. Well, and a half. but she could do one of the other though. She could do one of the Something other. You know, s- yeah.
1: So I'm not saying.
0: Okay. What were you going to
2: say, Miss Vada?
1: I don't remember now. Okay, so we're going to do. Um,
2: <laughs> well, and, and Gail, what I'm getting at is, see, I like that that nice tight look that when I shear my boxwoods, you know, they're good and, and formed, um, whereas azaleas are a little bit more loose. Right.
1: All right, Gail, just continue listening after the break. We've got more plans to talk about too, and y'all will be right back. And welcome back to Mid-South Gardening Glad y'all are able to join us We were talking about Here's one of those things that makes gardening hard Because
2: Well, Gail had called in and she's got a, a house That doesn't
1: make gardening hard Gail No, no, in.
2: that doesn't make it hard But but everything had been ripped out of her beds In the front of her house And that's great because that's a clean slate to start yeah, with And I typically, like you know, I always say you got to get your bones in Your bones mm-hmm. are your, your evergreens That you put in in the front of your house And typically, like Gail was saying, you want something different on the corners of the house, and usually you want something different right by the front door. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want, you know, symmetry and then something different in between. And we were talking about on the corners of the house, whether that's uh, green mountain boxwoods that grow more conical, they grow more up, or whether it's camellias, or whether it's anise, or something like that, taller, right, Veda, than what you put on the...
1: Right. Well, what I was talking about was what makes gardening hard uh, to people at times is I I said, oh, I have seen some really nice looking hydrangeas growing in the shade with boxwoods right and then it's like no no you can't do that you can't plant hydrangeas boxwood you can't do it so everybody's like no can't do it and i'm it, going but i saw it yeah but there's so many little other things to know yeah they're so i mean that's like in a but, general yeah, like but like if, if generally I were, if i were but planting yeah, starting if we're going to break it down yeah
0: i wouldn't do them deliberately together mm-hmm. now hydrangeas are very forgiving they'll grow on a high ph you know Microphilas mm-hmm. will grow up around seven. They'll be pink as they can be, yeah. but they'll right. be fine.
1: But like the, the deeper detail of it is a lot of times we're looking at it as we want those hydrangeas to perform to the biggest, most, best blooms where mm-hmm. they can look fantastic, which may not be in that situation. But it still works. It, it, it still, still looks works. good and all. Um, but or like planting, that's the one thing we've always talked about. Well, you can't plant uh, boxwoods with azaleas. But you can, but you don't have them like really close where their roots are overlapping because the pH is different. Well, when
2: you were doing a lot of landscaping, and I know you did it for years, um, did did you ever have homeowners want you to put deciduous plants on the front of the house? I mean, as their bones,
0: you know yeah, what I'm saying? Not
1: as the bones. I was able to incorporate them right. in after a lot of them understanding right. what they're going to look like, but mostly it needed it's, to be evergreen. It's but, an evergreen
0: mentality. And I, right. I, yeah.
1: But And that's the thing is you don't notice that there's sticks in the winter. So many people are, are worried about if I have all the, if I plant some evergreen and then I plant some things that lose their leaves and then I plant an ornamental grass in the wintertime, then. Oh, I just want to see green I don't want to see yeah. any texture I don't want to see any space but then when it's really cold in wintertime outside you're not caring yeah. you're not caring if there's a, a a plant there that has no leaves on it it's cold and you're enjoying the green stuff and the berry stuff
2: yeah. and a lot of people use you know where you know we used to use compacta hollies and yopon hollies and hellerah mm-hmm. hollies you know a lot of people are using boxwoods now because there's so many n- different hybrid boxwoods on the market and you talk about a tough plant. They're tough plants. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's wintergreen, baby gym, green velvet, green mountain. Right. You know, next gen. I mean, all those are really beautiful green. Boxwoods And they can take a lot of sun also. But they'll also grow in filtered light.
1: Because you really, I mean, I would not ever do a row of azaleas and then a row of boxwoods in front of it. No. Because that's way too much pH control. No. And uh, trying to keep it, even though I've seen it work, but how long do you want your landscape to last too? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, So you can get away with things and they don't last a long time. You can get away with things and they might not look their absolute, Best, but like for me, if I wanted to have a um, hydrangea and I didn't have the perfect place for it to make it look perfect, I would settle. To a place that where it's going to do good and look right. great But it's not going to be that perfect look Just so I could have the hydrangea Oh, of course, yeah So, you know, that's the gardener is kind of pushing the envelope Yeah Just so I can have it there Because if we planted everything exactly how it was supposed to be yeah. then, Everybody would have mi- the same yard Yeah, because we're mixing ornamentals in and natives in and all of that So I think it's just good to use organic matter Make your soil really good and put what you want If it doesn't work, just move it That's right <laughs> Too much detail in planting these the other way. All right, let's go to Stella. Good. No, I'm sorry. Is that Stella or Sheila? Miss Sheila. Sheila. Good morning, Sheila. Mm-hmm. Good morning.
4: How are you?
2: We're great, Miss Sheila. Appreciate the call, dear.
4: Got a question. Yes, ma'am. Um, we have some. I, I think the name is Palisade. It's a form of georgia mm-hmm. in our throughout our front yard. Yes, ma'am. And it has some brown spots in it now. And my husband asked me to call <laughs> to see <laughs> if you could. Uh, you know help us what we need Uh, to do well it's going to sound like we're going to
1: interrogate you but we have a few questions yeah how long has the
2: Uh, palisade been down miss sheila okay
4: my husband should have been here
2: Uh i I mean mean, has it been this year or has it been
0: years
4: i think maybe two to three years okay Okay.
0: so it's well established Uh, you've got the zoysia patch it's it's common this time of year it's a it's a lawn fungal issue we see it Mm -hmm. in the kind of weather that we've had right um there are a number of good fungicides that I, you could use. Um, Eagle is is an excellent one. And it's uh, under the name of Fertilome F-stop. F-stop, yeah. Um, and it's a granular form. You can spread. And there are some liquids you could use uh, if you have something for black spot and it's got propiconazole in it. It will work. Um, but, yeah, it, I've seen several cases of it here just recently. And typically, Sheila, what you're doing, you're going out there and you're applying a fungicide,
2: whether it's a liquid or whether it's granulated. Uh, you apply mm-hmm. the fungicide and then you come back in two weeks and you reapply it. And what's going to happen okay. is the brown patch is not going to go away, but what you're going to see next spring when it flushes back out, you'll see that zoysia kind of
0: recapture those areas. Yeah, it's, it's late okay. this time of year because, you know, it's, it's not going to be long here before it's just going to slow down and stop growing. Um, but it will prevent it from spreading uh, and and it Mm -hmm. will recover next spring.
2: And and y'all will agree, maybe. I mean, sometimes you'll see where people are putting out a fertilizer and they'll turn the spreader and they'll get a lot of fertilizer down in one spot. That can cause a brown burn. Uh, Sometimes you'll see dog urine, you know, doing that. Uh, But typically (laughs) speaking, Sheila, just like Jim said, typically it's the issocia patch, which is a fungus.
1: And since I always try to go to the uh, chemicals last, then it's because of the time of the year, too. I would do something like add some organic matter to those brown spots to get the soil built back up to get some beneficial um, microbes like in the, there. Beneficial fung there's beneficial fungus, like and the, like the back to nature, blend. yeah, black to nature blend or the um fox farm soil drench, any of that to get the good fungus growing to attack the bad fungus, too. Or just amending your soil is great. And then um, I would do it again next spring mm-hmm. So could, because I'm trying not to use chemicals just because I like to experiment and, and do this way. And I have good results with it. And if it still becomes overpowerful, then you might have to. You could put down an organic fungicide or you could move on to the... Um,
2: like the, the eagle, yeah, the F-stop. Yeah, i can't F-stop say um, the propalpinols. The, uh, the, pro-
1: primazol, <laughs> the yeah, but, Can you find a promopinol on this shelf? No. <laughs> so start with like the organic compost and things like that. That will help. And then we say F-stop because that's easy to remember. Yeah.
2: But, but it okay. definitely sounds like it's a fungus, Sheila.
4: Okay. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank, Thank you, dear. Thanks for calling in. And it's,
0: I love that zoysia, by the way. I mean, it's, you Yeah, know, and it's, it's, Less prone to fungus than some of the other. Remember ones, the like old El Toro. El Toro when it first came was out. bad. Yeah. If you've got an area where water is running through during the winter time, mm-hmm. you can almost guarantee some of those older ones are going to get uh, a fungus, and that's where it's beneficial to put down in October and probably again early March an e- eagle fungicide. Yeah. It will prevent a lot of that from happening if if you're using El Toro or some of those older ones. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yeah.
2: yep, and and you know the beauty of palisade is, you know, so many people say that zoysia can grow in the shade. Well, that is somewhat of a true statement, right? But, but somewhat. But, yeah. but it all so depends on what you mean. But it all depends on what you mean by shade, because so yeah. many times we see people putting zoysias, including palisade zoysia, in freaking deep shade. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I yeah.
0: see so many sod companies that uh, you know, guys that are doing sod tell people mm-hmm. that there's always. Your, I and mean, put Zoysia back in, you know, under trees that get no sun, yeah. just dappled light. You know, and it's going to last two, three years, maybe, maybe and then it's going to thin out, and yep. you're going to spend all that money for zilch. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. yep. It needs at least, you know, they, the sod farm says
0: three hours, I say four. But yeah. I'm, it it three needs some hours? sun. that's mm-hmm.
1: so little. Well,
0: well I I've mean, got areas that get about three hours, and if you're standing on the street and looking at it, yeah. uh, it looks exactly. fine. Yeah. But if you're standing up and looking down in it, it'll it's thin. not near as thick as I'd like it. Uh,
2: and, and let me say this also, uh, and for some reason, people think that zoysia only grows in shaded environments. Zoysia uh-huh. loves full sun. Yeah, prefers why? Prefers. I mean, yeah, why people just don't understand that? that because, I mean, that's where they grow it, out in full sun. So the more sun you get, the better off you are. But the reason I'm bringing this up is you do see a lot of zoysias in areas that they that's really just too much shade. And those zoysias are more prone to fungal pathogens Absolutely. also Absolutely. because they're already weakened.
0: Yeah. Already you know? under stress. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So, fertilize with organic products. Why Jim's looking away? I'm well,
0: going to say it. You're talking about adding organic matter. In most cases, though, there's, there's almost no fertilizer in that. Mm-hmm. It's not adding organic matter is not a substitute for fertilizer.
1: Right. I'm going for the microorganisms and the macro. <laughs> so, Veda, so seriously, you go out
0: there and and you've said this before. You will go out
2: there uh, with a pitchfork or screwdriver and just poke holes, uh, aerate the soil in those areas that are turned brown and then put a layer of either earthworm castings or back-to-nature blend or some kind of light layer of compost. Yeah,
1: remember when... we had the take-all patch, and it was really mm-hmm. prevalent in Central Texas, and so Texas a you know, did studies on all of it, and they used uh, uh, what was called Humor. Then. Remember, yeah. we used to sell the Humor. Yeah. It had the alfalfa meal, which was, had con- But tricotinol. so does the, the back-to-nature blend. Yeah, they had the tricontinol in it, which was a, a fungal inhibitor, and then just all the compost and the microorganisms and everything that was mixed in, so they started using that on the areas that had take-all patch, right. which was healing the soil and then allowing, the um, grass to grow back and um, so that's where I started with curing the soil or curing the problem in the soil so it com- combats the well, problems and, and coming that, along. And
2: my question was you know not only do you go out there and aerate the soil put a light mm-hmm. layer of compost down in these areas then you come back and drench those yeah. areas with either seaweed yeah, or big seaweed bloom or something time. like that yeah. right yeah, yeah.
1: So um, then that way you're healing your soil. And then when you're doing little patches, it's much easier than a whole entire yard to put all that down. But just it's like just eating really healthy. Give your lawn a good cup of chicken soup. <laughs> Numerous <laughs> I times. I never looked at it that way. Yeah. I mean, it's like your gut. If your gut has all that good beneficial bacteria in it, everything runs great. Sounds good to me. <laughs> and that's so it's, it's the same with health. And with plants and with people, but there's always breakdowns in the cycle. Sometimes, yeah, so.
2: and and there's two. Going back to the fungicide part of it, Jim mentioned Eagle, which is mm-hmm. the Fertilone F Stop. Whether it's liquid that you spray or whether is it's Steve, granulated, Steve
1: Miller sell that.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if Steve Miller sells that. <laughs> and then there's the Bonide Infuse, which is also a systemic fungicide. Uh, both of those products are absolutely fine. In fact, what some people do is they'll put one fungicide down, uh-huh. and then they'll put another fungicide down. Not the same mm-hmm. variety, uh, because not every fungicide controls the same okay. pathogens. Oh,
1: it's like going to the doctor and going, Can you give me two, two antibiotics, antibiotics? Right. <laughs> Surely I'll kill everything with one of them. Right. So, uh, oh, we're supposed to do the break thing. So we're going to run to a break, and then we'll be right back. Good morning, Mid-South Gardeners, and welcome back. Just going to chill to this song a minute.
2: She's over there bouncing around in her
0: chair. That Guys, if you want to give us a call this morning, 901-260-5926. This is Mid-South Garden. We're broadcasting from KWAM in Memphis, our flagship flagship station. It is. And we do welcome WNIX in Greenville, Mississippi, and uh, Nuga Radio over in Chattanooga. Our affiliates that have joined our program, we really do appreciate you joining. We'd like to hear from you. Give yeah. us a call. Absolutely. We need to
1: hear a question from Chattanooga, and we need to hear a question. From now, Chattanooga is a better place
0: to do boxwoods, particularly if you want to do something like English boxwood, Well, mm, because they got nice. perfect drainage yeah, over there. Yeah. You know, but are they soil. on a
1: mountain or something? Oh, <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, sort
0: of. English boxwood <laughs> does something. not do well in the Memphis area. Uh, it gets something called boxwood decline. And it's our heavy clay soil, poor drainage, mm-hmm. warm night temperatures, everything that is bad for English boxwood. So most of the other boxwood, and there aren't boxwoods. It's always boxwood. Yeah. No, I've said boxwoods all my yeah, life. It's bo- like and you, can, you know, it's just not. It's it's boxwood, uh, whether you got one or fifty. <laughs> Do so, you know why
1: boxwoods are called? Boxwood.
2: Sure they're not genius. boxwoods.
0: They're because not wood. Box because, wood. because
1: They're their box wood is strong enough to make a box out of, I don't and so think they would take. I don't think that's correct. I think that you is. That cr- I did. I'm gonna do some I, research. I, please do. <laughs> I'm gonna
2: look it up. <laughs> Just look
1: at. Besides, Kenneth, you weren't listening. I told you this about twelve years ago.
2: I don't see, I probably didn't look it up back <laughs> 12 then, twelve years
1: ago. I told you. and You cannot remember that a boxwood is called a boxwood because the yeah. wood is so hard. That, and they would put memorable things in the boxes.
2: Actually, I do remember now that. Now you You know? Yeah. Because when you said that, I was thinking
0: of cardboard, and that's not where we're talking about. a box. Oh, yeah. You know, wooden that you would box. put your good stuff in rings good and stuff, whatever. Yeah. I want to go back to Gail's question mm-hmm. earlier. You know, when and, she was looking about the, the shrubs for the front of her house, you mm-hmm. know, we were talking about maybe succinct camellias for your corner plants yeah. and boxwoods. <laughs> I would do azalea I would he not do a boxwood box I would do azaleas <laughs> as your background plant and and get something like the um like uh, Robin Hills, Azaleas, mm-hmm. they they're going to bloom mid to late spring, and they also throw occasional fall flowers. But they do well in the shade. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that that's a good choice. Well, but then in let the front of it, let me finish.
1: no stop then, it. You two separate <laughs>
0: and then, <laughs> go to your corner. <laughs> then uh, then do a, a good variegated hosta mm-hmm. for your mm-hmm. color. Now that's about as low maintenance as you can get. I agree, mm-hmm. and it, and a
2: beautiful look by the way. Wow. Right. Yeah. But Jim, you mentioned. In the Robin Hill variety of yes. traditional bo- uh, azalea. Mm-hmm. I mean, but truly, but any traditional azalea would work there. Correct. Oh, you could use anything. Yeah. You know,
0: my favorite one is a Wakavisu, which yeah. is a if, uh, blooms in May. Ooh. One of the Satsuki's, and it'll get four feet tall. Yeah. you know, in time, it's not a fast mm-hmm. grower. Yeah. Beautiful shell pink, uh, but she's got red. For red brick. Yeah. And I would lean towards white. Yeah. Or something yeah. that's primarily white. Mm, yeah. Uh in it so it will stand out against the green background and the red. And that would be a nice look, yeah, I'm telling that you. Would yeah. be. Um
1: uh, pink ruffles. I like pink ruffles. I don't know if you like pink with red brick, but I like it's, pink it's ruffles.
0: Seriously pink. I mean it's as fluorescent yeah. pink as you can get in the I would okay. do something like um Dorothy Hayden. Uh, it's a beautiful white. Or oh, Dorothy mm-hmm. Reeves. Yeah, Dorothy Reeves. And they
1: don't; those don't hold the, you know, like some of the white azaleas, Not, you they know, turn the brown bloom. Right, like, and it holds we don't it like that. the
0: old
2: snow azalea, right. remember yeah. that? And they're but still beautiful don't. when they bloom. Yeah. But, like yeah. The you know, you... there's
0: nothing prettier than a sheared Karum azalea in March, mm-hmm. where they've got so many tips. You won't see green. It's just yeah. a solid bank of white or pink. Mm-hmm. But when the flowers dry, they just hang on yeah. there. I just
1: can't do it. So you got to shear it
0: again. Yeah, to get those off, you know? right? But then it puts on more flowers, right? The next
1: year. And then you're <laughs> stuck, and then you have a square azalea Yeah, it's just a mess. And it sounds like
2: we sell so many of the other than white gumbo, but uh, you know, like the Gigi Gerbing and mm-hmm. the Delaware Valley. Yeah, and no, those uh, are big. They get bigger. Uh-huh. That's right. They they so big. something like a Dorothy Reeves or something like that, or the one you
1: mentioned, uh,
0: Jim. They don't get as uh, tall.
1: Amagasa. All right. In the We're, next hour, we are
0: yeah. going to talk about phosphorus toxicity. Okay, stay with us for hour number three.
3: Garden help you need now.
0: Mid South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to the third hour of In the Garden with Veda, Kenneth, and Jim. Uh,
0: Mid South
2: Gardening. Yeah, the Mid South Gardening. Veda, you're from where?
1: (laughs) Palladio. Well, where do
2: you normally hang your hat?
1: I'm well, I work at Palladio Garden, mm-hmm. and you work at Dan West, mm-hmm. and Jim Crowder works at everywhere. Works but
0: now home. he's the retired merchant that does our
1: wonderful Facebook page <laughs> and predicts the weather.
2: Yeah, he does. Like when he, so just heard, when he just heard the thunder, he says it's probably raining it's outside. It's raining
1: outside, yeah. Uh, and
2: I know we got David from California. David, hang on one second, buddy. But if you want to give us a call, uh, local call, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. Slow down. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah Is that what Gail
2: said? Because she called the wrong number. me,
1: but it's actually
2: Kenneth. No, it's Veda also. It's 901 <laughs> 260 Five, nine, two, six. Oh,
1: I almost fell asleep in uh, between see? <laughs> All right All right, seriously
2: And then if you want to call from the, uh, anywhere in the world uh,
1: 844-747-8868 Okay, let's do go to David Good morning, David I see you're in California Thanks for the
7: call Yeah, morning uh, Yeah, we finally got a little bit of clean air uh, The smoke out here has been horrible Ooh. Yeah, I've been
2: reading about that, David I mean, I can't imagine, honestly Yes, sir
7: there are some places, yeah, Redding is you know big agricultural area up there. and mm. they, I was up there a week ago, and they had between 150 and 400 parts per million. Just horrible. But uh, you know what I was calling about? I was reading a book about the Mississippi River. Yes. Had you all ever heard of the Great Raft? The Great
1: Raft, R-A-F-T?
7: Ra- yeah, R-A-F-T. Yeah, it was um, before the steam engine, so this was before, you know, 1820 or something right. like that, uh, The the there was a log jam on the Mississippi River that went basically from Memphis all the way down to New Orleans.
1: Wow. Yes, I've heard about that. Keep going. Yeah, and,
7: and then, of course, out in the Gulf of Mexico, it went from Texas to about Alabama, I guess. Wow. And, uh, and it was... Dozens of miles uh, thick. And so it was just an incredible mess that nobody could break through. And it took the Fulton inventing the steam engine before they had some kind of way of, you know, burning firewood and ramming further and burning more firewood. And uh, they broke through after a number of years. It was supposed to be one of the most uh, expensive infrastructure projects that America ever did. But once they broke through, I mean, all this commerce could come down the Mississippi River. But the reason I'm bringing it up is the topsoil. Mm -hmm. You know, with, uh, say, for example, Hurricane Ida came ramming through and probably hit you hard, what, a week or so ago, and then went up to New York and rammed them. And uh, they lost, there's a lot of topsoil Mm -hmm. in America that Mm -hmm. got lost because of the torrential rains. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, is there a way of... uh, Would you consider topsoil to be a part of America's infrastructure?
2: I would. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I would.
7: Yeah, so should retaining topsoil be in the infrastructure bill? Yeah. Yeah, I mean...
1: uh, Yeah, because, I mean, you can have the erosion issues, which changes everything and makes places not even conducive to growing. So I think it should be in there in terms of, uh, you know, paying attention to how you're moving your topsoil or what's going to happen if you make this move where does the topsoil go
2: and it's funny david uh, that you bring that up i was talking to a gentleman about a month ago he came by the garden center uh and he actually might wind up being on the show mm-hmm. uh one of these days he was uh he was talking about the same thing uh, he was really talking about erosion even here in these in the city limits and he's like, there's got to be ways that we can reduce the amount of erosion. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about putting out, you know, rain barrels, uh, putting, uh, be, you know, ground covers down in individual uh, landscape, whether it's uh, a right. residential or even commercial, to diffuse water right. before it even before it gets yeah. to the street. Planting barriers. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I agree, David. it, it is a uh, it's a horrible problem, and there's no telling. How many metric tons of topsoil, wonderful topsoil is just washed away every year?
7: Now, you you know how they made like those stair steps for fish? Yep. Uh, right. You know on the uh, it, there's no way in the world that the barge industry is going to want to put <laughs> another log jam on the Mississippi River. Oh, that's right. But do you think there would be a way that you could put in some baffles? sort of similar to fish stairwells uh, mm. like along the Mississippi River to capture that taps, topsoil and you could have thousands of jobs yeah. reclaiming topsoil out of the Mississippi oh, River. no it, yeah.
2: it, it don't tell me it can't be done well, it, it could be done
1: hopefully people are working on that you, you know, know to to but that all yeah is very good valid point
2: but but the problem though David is just like you mentioned that is a unbelievably probably important topic that no one is talking about okay and it doesn't have a lot of political weight i wouldn't think so i think it would be something that would be hard to get moving along if you know what i mean
7: well, you know, like the, a normal infrastructure bill comes after the census. Right. So you have the 10-year census, you learn how many people are living in a certain area, right. and then you know how much to build for the next 10 years right. because you got that many people living there. So now every congressman is supposed to be keeping track of this stuff, mm-hmm. and they should know to put in a bid on the infrastructure bill. Yeah. So uh, can you imagine the... Congressmen along the Mississippi River, you know, whether it's Minnesota or, or all the way down to Louisiana, right. putting in a bid for some sort of a, a soil trap baffles right. uh, that that could then create jobs, grabbing that topsoil and sending it back upstream. Yeah. what
0: I want- say the, the problem is the Corps of Engineers, okay? The Mississippi River does not want to run down through New Orleans and out into the Gulf it should run down the atchafalaya down and into the swamps of louisiana where the soil would have been caught but oh, sure, yeah. the yeah. old river structure was built to force water to go down that canal right yeah, Right. and so that that's the issue you know if we had let mother nature to do what it wanted to we wouldn't have that problem yeah I of course you. louisiana would be about three feet higher and <laughs> which they would be fine yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> maybe new orleans wouldn't be below sea level But, Dave, I like your
2: ideas. What you need to do is pack up and move to Memphis, Tennessee uh, and come up with some more great ideas, and we'll uh, invite you with open arms.
7: Well, I'm just trying to goose that infrastructure, Bill, because there's not a one of these uh, Republicans that wants to sign on to it, and they're not even putting in bids for their own district.
0: Yeah, I mean, I but mean I... how
7: do you get pork for your district if you don't put in a bid?
0: Well, you're not oh, kidding. I'm... Bad word there. Don't talk about pork.
7: <laughs> well, I mean, is that pork, or is it saving America? Well, no, you're right. It's, I, yeah, it's I saw not. I this video. I was looking at YouTube the other day, and one of these videos popped up about uh, how the Sahara used to be green, yep. and... Within uh, like a hundred years, it went. It went from one of the biggest great lakes in the center of the Sahara mm. to dried up like a bone.
2: And that's not a long uh, amount of time either for that to happen.
7: That's right. Yeah, and to- losing topsoil as much as we've lost. Like in three years, about three years ago, they had a really fast snowmelt in the Rockies, yeah. which flooded the Miss or the Missouri River, yeah. and then of course that ripped through to uh, above St. Louis, but it. Flooded Omaha and South Dakota and and uh, you know yeah. Kansas and Nebraska and uh, Upper Missouri. I uh, just flooded the like crazy and they lost a huge amount of top.
2: And it all goes down to the Mississippi. Now I can't that's say right. this though, David. Yeah. You know, as far as erosion goes, um, you know, that that is a problem. But, Betty, you've said this before. Uh, the people, the farmers, for example, uh, out in the Midwest. You know, they're they're changing their practices. To where they're not losing. I'm talking about on dry land now, not not close to the rivers. But they're changing their practices to where they are not having as much erosion as they
0: used to. Yeah, but again, the problem, Corps of Engineers. Yeah, you know, particularly up north, they've built levees to keep the water from going onto the farmland. But that's where it's supposed to go. Here in Memphis, at times of the year, the Mississippi River is over a mile wide. And that's because the land on Arkansas side is lower, and that soil gets refurbished every year yeah. by what's coming down from the north. And it should be like that from the top of the river to the to down to New Orleans. But yeah, not? Uh, yeah. Well, you were talking about the
7: Corps engineers. Do you think uh, just give the budget over to the Extension Service, or they keep it local and uh, no, they have a better idea of?
1: I think it's just all about money. Yeah. That's all. We're just stuck in that yeah. right now.
7: Well, we don't want to see America become a Sahara desert, uh, and right. uh, it's—I it, it, mean, the sooner the better. Mm-hmm. It's got to be done, so we might as well put in a bid this year.
1: I agree totally. David, all
2: right, great well, ideas, buddy. Call. Thanks, thanks Thank for Dave. calling. this morning. Take calling. care. Thanks, thanks, Dave.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, in like, well, I mean, there was a Dust Bowl, so that's right. You know, didn't yeah. it
0: be? and that's going to happen, and those mm-hmm. are natural weather events Mm -hmm. okay they're not good but they they happen naturally but they say
1: that they wouldn't have happened if we hadn't have taken all the timber out
0: that's part of the problem for for
1: that area but and then um peat bogs let's Mm -hmm. go while we're talking about it let's go to peat bogs um i did not know how much carbon they sequestered Mm -hmm. i mean that's amazing and that we do need peat bogs
2: but we also need peat moss. No, no one needs peat moss. No, I know. I'm just saying. That but you know, a
1: joke. like if yeah. you're a, a garden place, we sell peat moss like there was no tomorrow.
2: I mean, think about but it. Now
1: it, it, we know to use it differently.
2: But even on a small scale, you know, we're putting typically a mulch down on top of our beds to hold the moisture in place and mm-hmm. to hold that soil in place. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what David was talking about, I mean, that's, that's on such a large scale. But I agree. I mean, yeah. if there's anything and everything we can do to prevent the erosions that we have now. Yeah. It, I just it's feel, it's feel just like they
1: go, it's all about cause and effect. And so they'll say, well, it'll cause if this happens. And they go, well, we won't be alive then. Just do it. And that's like I don't want to plant a tree. Because I'm not going to be alive when it gets big, so I can't enjoy it. That's
2: me. And like Jim said, you know, the Corps of Engineers, I mean, they've got levees up and down this Mississippi River as far Mm -hmm. as the eye can see. And it channels that water the way they want it to go. Okay. And that definitely is nothing that's going to change. You know? It's
1: a lot of fun. That's why there's gardeners to keep all of our spaces and as much control as we can possibly control Mother Nature to keep things looking well and the environment going. So, we'll get back to some gardening questions. We're going to run to a break. We have a couple of callers, and so y'all can call us too at 844 747 8868. Good morning and welcome back. Oh, I just had to say real quick, I had to look it up. The great raft that he was talking about. The Great Raft was deemed after washed out, dead trees created an immense log jam that mm-hmm. built up almost over eight hundred years mm-hmm. to uh, along the Red River. And it wasn't until eighteen thirty when the residents began to attack the issue. And by that point it was around hundred and seventy five miles long. Good the Red
0: River, not the Mississippi. Yeah,
1: the Red River. Yeah. So um, well, that, crazy. Uh, just just that's why we have to manage our environment also all right we've got callers let's go to tom good morning tom thanks for the call are you there tom let's see there you go good morning tom
6: good morning crew thank you very much for taking my call
2: absolutely buddy (laughs)
6: listen i have a a a problem with my yoshino cherry tree Mm. um it's it's hanging on it's about 20 years old and it's hanging on looks kind of Bad in some places. I have trimmed some dead wood out of it as far as I could reach in some other areas, but um, for the last few years, it seems to, uh, the leaves yellow and fall off very early. In mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, fact, now it's almost bare.
1: Yeah, yeah.
6: Um, and I was over at Audubon Park last week and I noticed along Cherry Drive, theirs are still, you know, fully leafed out and green and mm-hmm. most of them anyway and you know looking pretty good and just wondering if there's anything i can do i i have uh, i have used a drench before and kind of revived it seemed like you know in the spring it leafed back out pretty good mm-hmm. but anyway i was wondering what you guys might think
1: well there there's a lot of issues that could be going on for sure. Sometimes the simple fact it's twenty years old and cherry trees struggle a lot. Yeah. It could be having bores, bore issues. Yeah, I'd um,
0: continue to use the drench at least every other year.
1: Yeah, that was a uh were you talking about insecticidal drench or a fungicide? Drench?
6: Uh
2: insecticidal okay. drench. Yeah, the tree and shrub insect okay.
0: drench, yeah. yeah. yeah your, your bores will damage enough wood that food produced in the foliage can't get to the roots so then you get and begin to get roots dying off that's when you see the dead wood begin to in in the top so you've got some damage there from something mm-hmm. yeah. uh and and probably boars because they're very prone to them here and i tell
2: you another thing is my mother's got a yoshino cherry
0: in her front yard and she's
2: got a kwansan also but the yoshino she had to have someone come out this year tom and take some limbs uh, selectively out of this cherry and I really think that part of her problem was uh, was the, the excessive moisture mm-hmm. uh, we had uh, really for the last two or three years, including this last spring when it was so wet and so cool. Uh, yeah. Where this cherry tree is, it doesn't drain perfect. It holds some moisture there on that mm-hmm. soil. Uh, so it holds moisture in that root zone. And, you know, one thing, cherries hate wet feet, you know. Uh, so, it, it's a combination of things, but whether it's bores, whether it's uh, excessive moisture,
0: which is the root rot.
2: Mulch piled too high.
0: Absolutely. Even.
1: Yeah.
0: And those along Cherry Road, a, a, a tree company donates the care for those. They take care and go through at least twice a year treating them, removing dead wood. So, they're probably better taken care of than right. any cherries mm-hmm. in the it, city. Yeah. yeah. This
6: one sits in a pretty good spot as far as drainage good right. like a corner that's kind of high mm-hmm. ground and a, oh, you know good. that corner of the garden and it's surrounded by some azaleas and then some ostas or something in front of it so that not a be around the base of it or anything that's too high because it's
1: right you know, um what kind of fertilizer have you given it
6: just uh slow release stuff like uh
2: Mil- Mil- yeah, metal organite, Yeah, organite tree and good. shrub foods. Yeah. yeah,
1: I would Yeah, add compost again. Compost is always good to just keep the soil healthy. It helps the soil drain, keeps all the good um, bacteria and things in the soil that makes the whole cycle work.
0: And, of course, be careful using any kind of herbicides that may be in the root zone. And the root zone is going to extend about twice the width of the tree. It's right. A, the roots aren't just under it. So you want to be... It's okay to go in there and spot spray, but you don't want to broadcast spray anything that's got a, a broadleaf weed killer like 2,4 D, MCPP, that. Yeah. or that, because that weakens the tree, makes them more susceptible to borers.
6: Well, I know there's some access points for bores and boring. Yeah,
0: Yeah. because like
6: a tree
1: that gets stressed allows the bores to take over, so you're needing to cure the bores if you have that problem and fix the problem that's causing the tree to stress as well.
2: Yeah, and let me say this also, Tom, you know, you said you meant use the drench, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with making a solution, pouring that right around the trunk of the tree, Uh, but you can also go out there and honestly spray the trunk of the tree with like a spinosad or a permethrin. Uh, every year um, and that will help keep that bore potential bore problem under control also
6: I know there was a little woodpecker that made himself
1: a little oh yeah uh, well we gotta run to a break real quick but hang on and we can carry this on after the break we'll be right back thanks 30 minutes of our three hours of show, which is so fantastic. We're glad to have all the listeners from all the areas.
0: And all the callers this morning. And we've got who's still hanging on?
1: Tom. Good morning, Tom. Yes, you have been asking us questions about cherry trees. And um, have we come close to anything yet?
2: Well, I guess the only thing that Tom, you know, that we didn't say is I would try to get in there and selectively cut out the dead tissue, Tom. Yeah. Uh, as best you can, if you can. Now, the other thing, like, you know, Vaden and, and Jim were talking about were the potential boards in there. Yes. A lot of times, if you see bark on the side of the cherry tree that's loose or splitting or just kind of hanging there, not saying yours is that way, but if it, is, it get, is, get like a little putty knife or a little spoon and try to remove that bark uh, that's just ready to mm-hmm. come off anyway. Spray it with an insecticide and see if it will callus back over. But bores are a that's that's usually in in root related problems are usually the two top problems that we have problems with our cherry trees
0: you know and seriously damaged wood is not going to repair itself exactly you know they are short-lived here unfortunately um so yeah if you notice those along cherry road there's a variety of sizes because because they even under the best of care they we lose a few along cherry road periodically
6: Well, I appreciate all you guys' help. Uh, uh, I think you've touched on uh, and uh, recognized all of the problems, you know, that I see. Yeah. And and I've treated at one time or another. Mm -hmm. But I'll continue to to use a drench. um, For sure. Kind of uh, scrape off the bark, like you said, on you know, one limb in particular that yeah.
2: I can reach. And then try to cut out anything that's dead in their time. Just selectively cut all that stuff out of there and then feed it, you know, um, every spring. And, and just try to keep it as, as healthy as you can.
6: One one more quick question, sure. if I can. Yes, I won't take a lot of time. But this crape myrtle scale it is just such a huge problem. Is that a perpetual problem? It in-
2: is. It's not going anywhere, um you know that scale is here to stay, uh and the same drench that you're talking about using on the cherry that's exactly what we recommend to use on the crepe myrtles, and we see where you know typically you know they recommend that you do it every year to control the scale, but we're seeing a lot of times where the residual lasts up to two years mm-hmm. yeah um, but it's I'm it's not going
6: up or is it from insects or something that
2: it's a it's it's from a scale, it's an insect that when they're young. Uh, you know, they can crawl around everywhere on that on that crate myrtle. Then they attach themselves, and then they form that little white shell that you see, and they're constantly just sucking the moisture out of that crepe myrtle. Uh, and then you get the black sooty mold, uh, you know, that grows on the secretion they give off. I mean, it's a mess.
6: And it drops down on all the stuff. Yeah.
2: That, yeah, yes, it sooty, does. Yeah,
1: that mm-hmm. sticky flowers sooty. And yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Susans
6: and the burning bush, that all yep. just... Yep, black coated yep. black
0: yeah which blocks the sunlight out on them and causes them to become unhealthy yeah <laughs> yeah that's crazy
2: yeah.
1: cause and effect again all right well thank you for those questions thanks, thanks tom. tom
2: have a great weekend buddy
1: so Got yeah it. i would my thing would be i would go out make sure there's no mulch packed up around it add compost to it um uh, do the drench like you were talking about you know, trees because like boars come from insects laying eggs in the little damaged or the cracks and things like that in the bark of a tree. So if your tree's really healthy, then it's harder for the an pressure insect. is yeah, even harder
2: the, for the boar to enter.
1: Right, right, and then if you get the sap flow going, it's harder for the boar to keep. Um, doing its damage so along with doing your fungicide or your insecticide you still want to do your fertilization as well
2: absolutely
1: uh, let's see what else well we're wanting
0: to talk about phosphorus toxicity
2: right, let me say this really quick Jill. go right ahead just because before i forget uh, audrey did text in and she said uh, do african violets like watering or misting
1: no misting. No, no misting. misting. Yeah. <laughs> Fuzzy
0: plants never miss because never you don't want miss. moisture
2: on the foliage, correct? Right. A little so little
1: fungal spots.
2: So Audrey, yeah. Uh, yeah, you definitely want to water, and typically you water, you know, with tepid water, uh, and you know that's why. I, and a lot of times you even water from a saucer you know let yeah. it draw it up mm-hmm. you mean you uh,
1: take a saucer and carry it over there and dump the water no in baby and you, you said, put what? that
2: african violet into a little saucer oh. that already has water in it and let it draw it up from the bottom because you do want to try to your best to keep the foliage uh, the water off the foliage of these african violets
1: and then what are you trying to poison over there jim well
0: not trying to poison anything we had a uh, 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 lady named uh lisa who showed some really good pictures of heavily chlorotic azaleas. And Which, what do you mean so, it, it, yeah. it, 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 but what do you mean by yeah. they're yellow with green green veins? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so she took some suggestions and and took a soil test and and I told her in the meantime to go ahead and spray feed it spray the foliage with iron because iron can go into the foliage doesn't move throughout the plant. So just a liquid iron just, just a go a liquid ahead and iron, spray it. Yeah. Right, to get it on there and then she was going to have a pH uh, have a test a soil test run. Okay. Well, she got her results back and and she posted. And I asked her what the results were. Yeah, and uh, okay, that's she's got to say is, yes. mm-hmm. uh, and she thought the pH was right at six point nine six. Oh God, no! Way, way too alkaline. Okay, <laughs> so you got to get the pH down around five and a half. And her phosphorus was at uh, 231 parts per million. At 300 parts per million, um, that's that's toxic, okay? Mm-hmm. You get so she's right really below sick. that. Yeah. She is. And one of the problems when you've got high pH and you got phosphorus, it locks up iron and locks up zinc. So it can't come into the roots. I don't care how much you put down on the roots, it can't get in there, okay? Okay. Um. <laughs> So you can get it in through the foliage. So what I've told her is to continue to spray feed as often as the label will allow. With the iron. iron. Right. Uh, And then get the pH down with either aluminum, sulfate, sulfur, iron, sulfate, copper, or something like
2: that. Do you have one that you like more than the other, Jim? I mean, whether it's sulfur, aluminum sulfate.
0: As far as expense-wise, sulfur is by far the cheapest. There you go. Okay. Okay. Aluminum sulfate is good, and if I were doing hydrangeas, I would add the extra aluminum, because aluminum is what gives you the color. But on these Azaleas, getting just some granulated soil sulfur is
2: perfectly fine to bring Absolutely. that pH down. And, yeah.
0: and it's going to take probably two years or more to get it stable down there. Gotcha. So she's going to need to continue to feed this way. Okay, Now, you know, still fertilize, Okay, because as we get the pH down, those even the macronutrients will become more available to the
2: plant. It's amazing that she's had a problem with her azaleas and the pH just the pH itself without forget the phosphate levels just right. the pH
0: mm-hmm. it, uh, level itself is posing a big time problem, right? But with the additional high phosphorus, that what that's what locks up your iron and your zinc. So uh, she's got to get got to get the pH down and continue spray feed them to get them back green again. And it's going to be multiple season. But we see that a lot. You know, for years and years and years, we've put. Or people have put things like triple 13, right. 612, 12, 12 agricultural-grade fertilizer. Sure. That nitrogen is is very quick release and it's gone, but the phosphorus and potash isn't so much so. Yeah. Okay? Well, I wonder why,
2: typically, Jim and Veda, when people have a soil analysis run, especially here in Shelby County, the phosphate levels are usually off the chart. Yes,
0: uh, so is that just like
1: too much? Too much. Yeah. Yeah. Is
0: that just because we, in this area that we live in... We have plenty of phosphorus. You really don't need to add any. But anybody that's fertilized has always added phosphorus. It's really only been in the last 10 years or so that we've seen even the lawn food companies switch to a zero phosphorus. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the main reason is because in our clay, phosphorus hangs in there it isn't going anywhere yeah, so it stays just, there for it's a used while up over a couple of years she'll get that phosphorus back mm-hmm. down but she's got to use a zero phosphorus fertilizer that means no uh, uh, bone meal mm-hmm. okay she's going to have to use blood meal no superphosphate. phosphate mm-hmm. right triple superphosphate. Mm-hmm. that middle number's got to be zero to get that down so you want to be very selective with the type fertilizers that you use. Um, mm. But, you know, it, the whole soil web, as is, is, is Veda likes to call it, mm-hmm. depends on a number of things. And, you know, well, it, so- we've always always put down phosphorus i mean is a Mm, balanced fertilizer which is absolutely and it's just not there is no such thing as a balanced fertilizer balance just means same number six 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 doesn't have anything (laughs) to do with your soil
1: yeah exactly (laughs) so now you know we used to say oh it's not blooming add phosphorus add phosphorus oh yeah but here if it's not blooming We've got to do something else to make the phosphorus release With from annuals, the soil. With annuals,
0: it's okay. okay. Okay, so
1: annuals we can go we ahead can and give them the, a little extra yeah. phosphorus.
0: But even there, you can get phosphorus toxicity. Mm-hmm. I know when uh, when Dale took over at Dixon Gallery Gardens, uh, you know he immediately had the soil tested there, and everything was near toxic levels on phosphorus wow. from just years and years and years mm-hmm. of using a, a a good quality fertilizer. Sure. You know, so you know he had a zero phosphorus law. They went into effect. (laughs) Well, but it also tells you that pH is pretty darn
2: important also. It is. And like you are saying, azaleas, I mean, there's some things that can tolerate, you know, some acidity and some alkalinity, uh, and they can almost adapt and adjust. Mm -hmm. Azaleas want that soil more acidic, uh, where boxwoods want them, for example, more alkaline. But in this case, you know, 6.9 is – 7 is neutral, and that is way too high for azaleas. So even if she did nothing, Jim – Uh, If she hadn't had that soil analysis run, okay, because
0: her her when she sent me back the note, she said my pH is spot on. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. It is for turf. It's yeah. great for your vegetable garden. It's okay for perennials. Well, and, 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 but but it's too high for azaleas and Hollies and It most
2: definitely is. Yeah. And but but typically don't our doesn't our pH around here just naturally normally tend to go down. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's why yeah. we're typically let's say our lawn, for example. You know, a lot of times people go out there and they'll line their yard maybe every two years. Just to kind of keep that pH up right. where it belongs, so you wonder how in the world did she get a 6.9 pH over there in that that's what I'm wondering. Unless I mean, they're slinging lime up there, mm-hmm. you know, every time they, and that's a real
0: possibility.
1: Can you make your pH higher if you overuse synthetics? Can that g-
0: almost I all fertilizers know. lower your ph yeah okay, okay. yeah, yeah. I that. the exception so- would be the organics espuma mm-hmm. milorganite and that normally it does not affect your ph at all and a lot of specifically formulated foods like rose foods right mm-hmm. are made to not lower your ph yeah. you know things like mere acid mm-hmm. um, right th- is that those really? are yeah. those are great for east tennessee where you got pH that's up there? If you're trying to grow azaleas and rhododendrons, right. right. where it, they really aren't very happy, yeah, uh-huh. uh, then that, that's what you need. But. Here no it's a, it, it's it's a death sentence it's almost.
2: And, and, and let me ask you this you say mother nature doesn't like change per se. Yeah,
0: it's hard to change your pH right really is now we get some change just from rain you know a rainfall typically is acidic of about 5.6 or so if you've got no smog. Right. okay it's just acid rain that's just what happens yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you have other stuff in there, then the pH can be even lower down I've heard of rain down in the three three and a half yeah so. yeah that would be acid rain right.
2: but the good thing is yeah we can alter our pH just uh, because takes a lot of times a little more time yeah but because a lot of times we are planting things that do demand a certain, pH range, right? right? And one of
1: the
0: nice things... Excuse me, go ahead.
1: Oh, that's why we find things um, in certain areas that only grow in that area because it likes that type of pH, and then you find things over here because they only like that type of pH. But it's something that, Tim's
0: like we forget a lot of time to check that pH. Yeah, and one of the important things, specifically getting a good... Full range soil test like this is learning your buffering pH. That's that's going to tell you how much lime or how much aluminum oh no, sulfate oh no. yeah. you're yeah. going to yeah. actually need. Well, hold So if you get an analysis run,
1: well, I think we have. Do we have to go to a break? Let me it? ask you. you
2: real quick, but
0: talking. if it comes back with like six point five. Is that the buffering pH? No, that's normally uh, it's your regular pH, okay? But it may take more product to lower that pH depending on what your buffering pH is. So that's an important thing to know, you know? So, anyway, are we going to take a break? Okay, Do we we're need gonna... to now? Yes? yes. Okay. Right. We'll be right back. Yes, we will. <laughs>
1: Good morning, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. So uh, we just have a few minutes left, but I was, again... Oh, wait, go ahead, Jim.
0: Oh, no, I did want to, again, thank our, our affiliates over in Chattanooga and uh, in Greenville, Mississippi. Please tell your friends. You can also go to uh, the KWM Radio website and KWMradio.com and see all of our past podcasts. Now, what you get to see is VEDA. Uh, but you can listen to them, and um, see and so. you can
1: see my eyes rolling back.
0: Yes. So.
1: <laughs> oh, so back to that organic gardening magazine that I was reading. This series, um, this one was in 1968, and I was talking about some research they did in 1967, and it's. Crazy because when I started learning all the organic stuff, I'm thinking, Oh, this is all new revolution <laughs> <laughs> or why do people believe this can happen and and we do it this way. How come we've never done it this way? Well we have and the beneficial insects was what was really fun for me to read about on this one. But they did this in <clears throat> New York's Riverside Park in nineteen sixty-seven. <clears throat> they released four thousand prey and manises, five thousand Tricky gamia wasps um, You
0: won't have any whale worms around if you Right, do that. yeah um, And you'll end up with two praying mantis They
1: <laughs> did, yeah Lots of praying mantis And they released uh, ladybugs Just large amounts of all of these But before they released them all They had went through the all the Riverside Park And, and clipped
0: their little wings and,
1: and so yeah. they, to, to see <laughs> yeah. what Because you're saying they're going to leave it There's no food But they only put these out Because of the insect problems they were mm-hmm. having So they took the beneficial insects that would take care like they had a lot of caterpillar issues and tussock moth issues and all of that so that's why they brought in the trachea gamma wasps.
2: and they work I'm yeah telling you. and
1: release them at the proper time of course i mean some people just buy them and release them and there's not even any insects right. there for them to eat and they leave like you're saying but they did the whole studying of we get these insects at this time so we need the wasps to counteract the population of the caterpillars and but they knew that they were there already And the same with the ladybugs and the praying mantis. Of course, you know, we know praying mantis eat everything. And and they
2: even try to eat hummingbirds. That's a whole other story.
1: But they they were doing, they did that for like three years and followed it and studied it. And then I fell asleep and don't know what happened.
2: No, no. I mean, (laughs) the beneficiaries out there are doing some really good work for us. You know, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, I mean, I guess speaking for me as a homeowner, you know, I want things done Just immediately. I Mm -hmm. want that instant gratification. And in this case, I want instant death on a lot of these insects. And that's why I typically would go out there if I have to and spray. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, I try to just target my sprays instead of spraying my whole landscape. Right. Uh, If I got a problem just on a crepe myrtle, I'm spraying just the crepe myrtle. I'm not spraying everything else because I might have a problem on these other shrubs because I don't want to kill potentially the beneficials that are out there.
1: You know what I'm going to do next year for fun is I'm going to get a jar. A big, big pickle jar, and I'm going to put some ladybugs in it, and then I'm going to clip a limb that has aphids on it, and mm-hmm. I'm going to put that in the jar and watch the ladybugs devour the oh, aphids. Oh, good feeling. I think that's going to be fun to watch. Uh,
2: and really quick, I know we only got like a minute, guys. Wendy Johnson texted in. She said the leaves are our native black tupelo, oh, which wow. is beautiful, have started turning uh, that beautiful red and dropping.
0: Is that normal this time of year? I think it's just drought stress. We had somebody on the website want to know about their moss around, and their trees are beginning to turn brown, gotcha. and thought maybe the tree was dying, mm-hmm. but no, it's just drought stress. More weather related, Jim, than yeah. anything. And you, sometimes yeah. we see the the reddish sooner than later you know
1: right oh well y'all i'm so glad y'all were here with us this saturday morning um listen to our podcast if you didn't hear everything or let your friends know and we will love to see you next saturday in the mid-south garden